Hey, everybody. It's October 25th, 2023, and that's a good day for Texas Longhorn football because we got some pretty good news today out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. My name's Ray Peters. I'm the host on the Longhorn live stream on Wednesday nights. And also, we have uh, Rod Babers, lifetime Longhorn, great uh, DB in the uh, Longhorn Legacy uh, DBU, and uh, Justin Wells, recruiting expert. And he's a man who knows the uh, Ryan Wingo family and has been up to St. Louis and has talked with the uh, that group and uh the news does uh center on ryan wingo and uh hey some great news at four o'clock uh today justin why don't you fill us in on what happened yeah today um uh st louis missouri uh, uh st louis university wide receiver on three industry ranking five star ryan wingo uh committed to texas he he, he picked the uh at the five star pick texas today and here's the thing you know this class has been coming together really really well and, and I like Sark's approach is it's more of a long game rather than a pressure up front type style. And I think that that's what's paying dividends on a lot of these commitments. And, and I think you saw that a lot with the Arch Manning one. But, you know, and that's the thing. If you sign an Arch Manning, you kind of got to give him somebody elite to, to throw it to. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Parker Livingstone has a ton of upside and is going to be a good college wide receiver, potentially great. Freddie Dubose. Fully healthy is is a freak. This guy can do a lot of good things. But Ryan Wingo is another level. This is a guy that is multi-sport kid, uh, plays both sides of the ball. He's also the team's punter. He ran a really nice fake punt in the first game for a score. Um, team player all the way, leader kind of kid. I actually tripped to St. Louis this summer and spent about half the day with him. Uh, drove up there and he just he was we, we spoke for an hour just 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 chatting like in, in most of these interviews go five or ten minutes and we just talked and mainly what he said was you know I want to go somewhere where there's production at wide receiver that's my that's my that's his main thing that was his main thing was I want to see production at wide receiver and he had been watching Xavier Worthy for the last two years add to the fact Adonai Mitchell has done what he's doing this year and that only helped Chris Jackson and, and, and Steve Sarkeesian and the staff. Uh, he wanted that production. And then I do remember one thing, and it, it, I, I didn't really I didn't really think about it till till today. And it was I asked him, are you a kind of stay close to home type of guy? Or are you more of a spread your wings and lead the nest kind of guy? I said, listen, there are both and both the good or good, you know, good or bad. And before I could finish, he said, I'm a spread my wings guy. And I think that's because Ryan wants that national stay. I, I really do think that. I think I, I understand Missouri's in the SEC, but catching passes from Arch Manning was something he really wants to do. Arch was involved during his recruitment and during his visits. I mean, that's your strategy. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, and Arch is unbelievably gracious with his time and he wants to throw to some dudes. Ryan Wingo checks the dude box. I also think this helps Chris Jackson as this is his first year of really recruiting college athletes, college kids, and, and having to deal with everything that goes with it, you know, from playing time to NIL to, to you know, everything. And, and him getting this guy, I think, was tremendous. Uh, he was the last big, big wide receiver target on the board. And, and I think Texas, um, listen, it was this went back and forth quite a bit. Uh, he, he actually he gave a silent to Texas uh, in, in late September after his official visit. And he held true to it. Now, I'm not going to tell you I didn't think it was Missouri in between a few times, but that's 
that's this was an unpredictable recruitment in a very predictable industry. And I think Wingo handled it really, really well. His family really, really well. I got to know his dad, Ronnie, really well. His head coach, Adam Cruz at St. Louis University, I actually got off the phone with him right before uh, we started our show. You know, this is a great kid. I'm glad I went to see him. I'm glad I got to kind of get to know him. And now I get to cover him for the next four years. And and I'm kind of wondering what my per diem is going to look like from, from inside Texas when I make that trip again. There you go. Hey, Rod, I know you've had an opportunity to, to check out Ryan Wingo a bit. Um, kind of a big kid, about six foot, six one, a little over 200 pounds, uh, kind of a thick guy, which is uh, pretty impressive at, at that age already. What are you seeing with uh, Ryan Wingo on tape? Uh, yeah, thanks to my man, uh, Jerry Hamilton. He uh, had, uh, sent me some highlights of him, and uh, we did our talking ball one time about the wide receiver position, so I got a chance to check him out. And one, I went back and looked at my notes, uh, and one thing I wrote about him, <laughs> um, his acceleration out of the brakes uh, is is fantastic. I mean, it's next level. Hits another gear when he accelerates out of his brake. Love his, his ability to make contested catches, too. I mean, this is a guy that once the ball is thrown in the air, I mean, he believes he's got – not only a right to it, um, but he believes that, you know, he, he has to go catch anything. All right. And doesn't matter if he's covered. Uh, he still is a guy that can go up and make those contested catches. Uh, matter of fact, you're about to see one right now. There you go. <laughs> um, he does that a lot. All right. And you see that a lot on film. Uh, love that. What, what's he, what he does once he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a punt returner too. So he can make guys miss in the phone booth. I mean, he's explosive with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a guy that can uh, really, really uh, become a, an elite ball carrier, uh, make guys miss once he's in the open field and in space. And Sark's offense puts receivers in space a lot. Uh, and, man, Justin just got done telling you he's watched a lot of Xavier Worthy, and he knows uh, Sark's all about manipulating matchups and getting the speed demons in open space uh, so they can they can run to daylight, as Sark calls it. Uh, and he's one of those guys, too. So, yeah, he's got the all-around package. There really isn't any true weakness overall in his skill set, great body control, great balance overall. Um, just a nice next level elite athlete. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, this is a guy that, that chose to come to Texas. I know it was a highly contested recruitment, uh, Justin. I know <laughs> the details yeah. about it because I, I heard things, the streets is talking, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm glad Sark and his staff were able to pull it out. It shows you this is, a, this is an elite staff when it comes to recruiting. I mean, they, they continue to show that over and over again with some of the uh, premium positions, but also some of the other uh, premium athletes that are landing from all over the country. You know what he told me a lot about, Rod, uh, during his practices before his seven-on-seven seven was catching it in the cone. Catching mm. it in the cone. That's That was his focus. Man. Getting his hands and everything and getting his shoulders turned, not you know, sinking his hips in his turn, coming up yeah. and catching it in the cone. That was something that his father, Ronnie, actually, they got him a wide receiver coach, trainer, uh, nice. just like, a you know, a few months before the summer to work on the techniques. Before that, he was just really a great athlete playing wide receiver. And Ryan decided he wanted to dive in and really learn about that, the nuances to it. And I think that's why you've seen such a better prospect this year. He's been injured a little bit. He's been dinged up, but he's still been insanely productive when he plays. And I knew you would appreciate that when I heard when he told me he's like, I'm, I'm, I got to get hey. it in the tone. I thought, OK, that's a kid that's devoted. That's a kid that's working to, to get it right. 
cultivate his craft. He now he now he's about cultivating the craft. You're right, man. That's next. If that's what I've been watching, base. You're telling me it's just raw athleticism playing wide receiver. Now he's about to become a true wide receiver and absolutely and study the right. position and the details of it. That's scary, man. For some of these kids, it's always a contract year. So he's uh, looking forward to the future. Hey, Justin, we don't want to put a damper on things, but uh, let's just put some perspective on this thing. Uh, Missouri's not going to give up, right? Oh, no. No. Well, okay. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Look at that. When he does the next scratch, that's when you know some uh, stuff might be coming down the pike. All I'll say is, no, Missouri's not going to stop recruiting him. They they <laughs> – they may have woke up this morning thinking it was Missouri and then, you know, got some bad news a little after four. Uh, and sometimes that rubs you a little raw. Sometimes, you know, these, these kids decisions, that's it's big. Uh, I don't think Missouri is going to stop recruiting him. Um, I do think sometimes when these decisions are made, true colors of a particular staff may come out hmm. and sometimes negative be negatively reflect, reflect, reflected on the staff or not so much the staff, but the family and the player. And so sometimes you have that. That's also a data point that you have to consider. Yeah. They take it personally. Kind of a, uh, so he runs about a 10, 500 meters, right? I mean, this guy's six, two, six, one and a half, two Oh five, 10, five. Um, man, he's yeah. Kid. Hey, Rod, am I not nice older brother? I mean, older brother played running back at Arkansas yeah. and, and, and made his, made his mark and, huh. and, He's the baby. Yeah. He's like a lot of these other recruits, like Kobe Black, where all the older brothers played college ball. And yeah. the baby is the one that went out there and got rough with all the older brothers and friends. They wound up being the ball player. And that's yeah. kind of what Ryan Wingo is. And it's similar to Kobe Black and a handful of other kids in this class. It's kind of a unique thing. Nice. So I'm going to name a couple of guys that go by initials that may not be Great comparisons, but uh, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, so kind of like guys that are real solidly built, but who can run and have good body control. So, with him, Ray, I like Chris Godwin. Yeah, I heard you say wide receiver template. Jerry had mentioned that one, and I hadn't thought of that. Jerry had mentioned that earlier. I like that one, and I see some Greg Jennings, the old uh, receiver from the Green Bay Packers. I see some of his stride and kind of the way he works. Uh, it's not mechanical. There's some fluidity to it, but you can tell he's working the craft, as Rod says. Yeah, Justin got kind of going old school on us there. Well, yeah, Daniel that old school. That's like late 2000s. <laughs> People were saying old school, like Greg Jennings. I didn't say. I didn't say. Hey, James when I Austin. say old school, it is old school. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't say Sterling Sharp. Hey, yeah. nice. Come on. That's good. I didn't say Robert Brooks. <laughs> hey, I'll go old school on you, Green Bay Packer. How about Crazy Legs Hirsch? How's that one? Oh, yeah, man. Nah, you, yeah. I went old yeah, school, you, didn't I? Was, you went high school. school. <laughs> hey, Matthew, <laughs> Daniel Kenneman uh, in our starred uh, question just had a comment because we're talking about receivers now. Do we worry about hurt feelings when we uh, talk about portal guys for uh, receivers? Now, obviously, we understand that uh, receivers are guys who uh, think highly of themselves and always want to be the center of attention, and maybe they deserve to be. So uh, do we have a concern about bruised feelings at all when you start thinking about bringing in portal guys? Uh, Every player is different. Every situation is different. Every every step of the way is different. And I say that because – there's now more and more of an understanding of your surroundings. 
20 years ago, yeah, you could see a quarterback, a returning quarterback prospect get upset because they brought a transfer in. But now it's part of churning the bottom of the roster. Sark handles the roster a lot like an NFL roster. That bottom, it gets churned pretty every every cycle. It's getting churned. If you're not making it up, making the cut, you're probably going to the portal, and they're probably going to have three or four spots available for guys in the portal. It comes with that understanding. But, like, it's a good situation, too, because, listen, Jonte Cook is going to start next year. Yep. And Ryan Wingo is is he's going to actually be an early enrollee. He'll he'll actually enroll and he'll be in Austin by January. So he's going to have a, a heads up on some early playing time. But they're going to bring in a portal wide receiver. They're probably done at the high school level, but they're they're I, I'd be almost certain they're going to bring in a portal wide receiver. You're lo- they're going to lose the top four pass catchers on the team. Simple as that. And that's not counting Jatavian Sanders. And so. You, they're going to need a veteran to pop in there because Jonte can play. DeAndre Moore can play. But the depth they have at receiver this year is really is really strong, and they lose a lot of that. And so I think in every cycle it's different. If the team was loaded and you just, you're just you just bringing in guys and you do know you're at the bottom of the depth chart, like an Isaiah Nayor, that's a perfect example of a guy. That's a guy that might get offended by bringing in a portal guy. By, by bringing in a Ryan Wingo because he's one that's kind of been – he transferred in, kind of paid his dues, got the bad injury, trying to come back from his injury. Now he's trying to find the field in, in a loaded room. It's every it's, – it's hard to explain. I think Rod would, would know better. It's just every, every situation is different and every position and cycle are different. But Jonte I, I, Cook and Ryan Wingo, they're not going to be offended if a portal wide receiver comes in. That shows fear. And if I know those two, especially Jonte, uh, that's no Jonte. Him and Arch Manning have such a good rapport. There's there. If anything, you want more guys to come in when you have a, a culture of guys that it's like, please join us, join yeah. us. I think right. that's kind of the different mentality now than maybe say the last six to eight years on campus. Yeah, and. One thing about Sark, and I'm sure these guys, they recognize it. The youngsters coming in, they're watching film and they're paying attention to the scheme and Sark's tendencies as a play caller and an offensive mind. You know, Sark doesn't have a heavy rotation, like a, a heavy rotation of wide receivers. He gets his three, four wide receivers he likes, and those are his guys, right? It, it, it's a very tight rotation. Right? was the bench. Exactly. And so I can see exactly what Justin's saying. If you're not in that rotation – Hell yeah, you get offended if somebody's coming in. You're like, hey, man, I'm not even in rotation. Now I'm trying to get in. But when you got the head coach saying, I need to get Jonte Cook in there in midseason, right after Oklahoma game, one of the things he's saying is, I got to get that freshman wide receiver in there. You know, that's a that's a message, not only to Jonte Cook, but a message to all the freshman wide receivers he's recruiting, or the, the potential freshmen and the young wide receivers recruiting that, hey, uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough for me at wide receiver. I'll put the young bucks in there. I just need those dogs to come, and that's what he does. Xavier Worthy played early. Shantae Cook's going to play early, uh, and I think Wingo, if he's healthy and ready to go, he's early enrollee, considering the, the vacancies you're going to have in your uh, pass-catching core, you're definitely going to need Wingo as well. Hey, uh, Russell Hinkle had a comment, uh, Matthew. Let's just uh, throw that one up there, if you don't mind, uh, 7, 11 p.m., and this will be for Rod, and we'll, I don't know if he's had enough uh, – Experience watching uh, Malik Murphy in action to be able to answer this, but we'll give it a shot. So what do you think of Malik Murphy and his uh, 
ability to read the field and go through his progression. He's heard a lot about the strength of his arm, but not much about uh, how he sees the field and one, two, three decisions and that type of thing. Have you seen enough to make a judgment yet on Malik? Yeah, tough to do that. Obviously, all we have is the spring game. Um, you got the Rice game with the U of H game. You got you don't not have a much lot passing of, there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of sample size to see if he's getting through full field uh, progressions or if they're going with you know half field reads for him. I I think ideally Sark would like him to be uh, early on, just because he's a young quarterback, only got with eight pass attempts. Uh, you liked him to be a guy that can go to his first read, ideally. <laughs> All right, and and be you know on time and be in sync. You wouldn't like him going deep into progressions. Uh, matter of fact, Sark even with Quinn, he, Sark didn't like Quinn going deep into his progressions. Uh, so, you know, Quinn's got a lot of kind of predetermined throws and first uh, is, it goes to his first read a lot. Even going back to Matt Jones, when Sark's offense is operating at its ideal like ideal level, um, Matt Jones went to his second read that twenty twenty season. You know, less than ten percent of the time, he was that was on time, on schedule. Ball was out. Um, that's what that's when Quinn's at his best. Actually, when it's on time, on schedule, rhythm passer, ball is out. Um, I'm not sure if that's Malik. Malik's got a he's got a, a cannon of an arm, but mm-hmm. a different skill set. You know, Quinn Quinn's an accurate thrower of the football. He's got nice touch on the football with intermediate throws. Um, can throw off platform, making a ton of different things. It makes it look easy, too. Malik's a different type of passer. He's a passer that throws with force and velocity, right? He's one of those guys that's going, it's almost a power thrower of the football. And you can see that. And I think they're going to also show that off a little bit. We'll see if he can add some touch and accuracy to his game. We know he's got the arm, but the touch and accuracy are going to be big. Um, I got I got a feeling Sark's gonna, not going to allow him. We're not going to warn him going through deep progressions in the offense. Um, usually that it leads to indecision by young quarterbacks. Hey, we're into the uh, 20 minutes into the Longhorn live stream on a Wednesday night. My name's Ray Peters alongside Rod Babers and Justin Wells. And we're very glad you're with us. And we have something called a, a super chat that you're uh, welcome to, to join in. And you uh, can kind of click on an icon there and join the uh, situation, the conversation. And uh, we'll kind of move your comment uh, to the top of the line. Justin Yarbrough did that a little bit earlier and now let's take a look at justin's uh, question and uh, he's got a question for uh, a fellow justin justin wells so justin yarrow asked justin what are the chances we add another safety to the class and this is a little bit different than i, I think i could even answer this one uh, with uh, chris ross out we got that news earlier in the week that the edge rusher has uh, apparently uh, been removed from the team or left the team whatever the situation may be chris ross no longer currently on the roster does the staff push for solomon williams even more than they have been. So let me uh, listen to your comments there, Justin Wells. Yeah, um, I'll start with the Chris Ross stuff. Um, yeah, we found it this week that he's actually been off the team for a couple weeks. I believe it was the OU week, pre-OU week, if I remember correctly. Um, but he, um, for whatever reason, he was supposedly dismissed. And, and so I don't know if the staff's going to push for another another guy there. I don't know if the staff's going to like, they're going to continue to, to recruit Solomon Williams the same way yeah. they, you know, that they were doing anyway, but I don't think they're going to necessarily push um, uh, any harder. I, I do think you could see him possibly grab somebody again in the portal. I know that they're going to need some depth on the defensive line and at the edge edge position. And so I can see them, you know, with Ross, I can see them, 
you know, doing that. But they're, they're going to recruit Williams the same as they were anyway. Uh, I think it was a dead giveaway that Chris Ross wasn't on the team either whenever he was spotted in the stands at Texas in Houston, which I was lucky enough to cover last Saturday. Wow. And so that's always good. You know, and, and he had had a good fall camp, Rod. Yeah, he, he looked really great. Did. Um, but whatever I'd heard him and Sark maybe disagreed with something and he's just no longer there. But and then the chances they add another safety 100 percent. They have to. <laughs> They're going to listen. Chart the chart. They, it goes by, you know, it's like Herman's binder. You know, it's like, hey, you need more and more safety in this class, in this cycle. Um Understand that's why they're going after an Xavier Filsame, uh, the safety out of McKinney that's committed to Florida. There's a reason that they're still talking to Miles Davis, the Converse Judson safety committed to Texas A&M, who's still probably going to come in for a for a visit on the Texas during the Texas Tech game. Um, yeah, they're going to add another safety. Uh, it, it, by any means necessary, I don't think they're going to be able to flip Corey and Gibson. I think he is that that locked in and that just devout to, to Clemson and his decision. And, you know, he's incredible kid, his family, his mother, Sylvia, those are just wonderful people. And I think they're going to stick with Clemson. Um, but yeah, there's going to be another safety. There's going to be another corner. And I, I think Texas would prefer it to be Kobe black. I think that's the one that they would, they would like to take right now. And so, yeah, that's uh, I hope Justin got his money's worth because he damn sure has a cool name. Hey, Rod, let me ask you a question. It's not going to be part of the chat over there, but you as a a defensive back and tactician and the like. So there's always a a lot of discussion about cornerbacks and safeties. So I think some of the notion that a lot of people have had over the years is that if you've got a guy that played cornerback and played it fairly competently, but maybe not as fast that, Oh, well, at some point, maybe we'll just move him to safety because he's not the fast guy on the edge there to have all the fast receivers, but maybe he can handle the safety piece if he's a guy that's physical enough for the position. What's the interchangeability typically? I don't know if the typical is the right word, and maybe it should not even be a consideration. What what about the cornerback playing safety? Can they kind of intermingle in? be the same thing or do you always look for a different type for those two different roles yeah it's interesting right because uh every kind of level of football has a different uh kind of a different belief about that theory that you can interchange that dbs can be interchangeable that you can move a safety to corner or corner to safety uh coach akina actually was one of the best deep into back coaches in all of football who coached me at texas and i mean he was amazing yeah, Justin Wells a big fan too. A lot of low. He just had a birthday too, like earlier this week. So shout out to our man Coach Akita and happy belated birthday. But he always uh, said he wanted corners that can tackle like safety, safeties that can cover yeah. like corners, and that that was kind of basically the <laughs> criteria to get on the field. And think about it early on when he came, he comes in. Quinn Jammer was playing safety, ends up playing corner. Ahmad Brooks was a corner who ended up playing safety later on. Nathan Basher came in as a nickelback and a corner, ended up at safety and then back to corner early on. And then even when those younger guys came in, Coach Akina kind of kept that mentality because he believed that in order to basically, in order for a, a, in all, a the defense to have as few mismatches across the board as possible in the secondary, you had to have corners who could tackle because offensive coordinators are trying to get corners to come in the run fit because they believe corners are weak in the run game. And that's an advantage for them. 
and they're trying to get safeties manipulated in one-on-ones on islands, mm-hmm. Longhorn fans, right? Yeah. So they can take advantage of safeties because they think safeties can't cover, but they can tackle. But you get both that can do both, and then there are no matchup advantages for the offense. So that was his belief, and I agree with this. So he wanted a 5-2 DB pretty much all the time. And look at the DBs that came after me, right? Michael Huff can play damn near any position in secondary. Michael Griffin was kind of one of those guys too. Aaron Williams was one of those guys too, right? They got uh, You had a ton of those types of players. And Quandre Diggs ended up being one later on. Quandre is interesting too, right? Quandre is kind of the what you're talking about here too, Ray, because Quandre had a safety skill set and a safety mindset, but a cornerback slot corner's body. And, and, and every evaluator struggled with that because they would put him at corner and put him at slot, at slot corner, and he could cover, but, man, his physicality, his physicality yeah. would, would just be shocking to people considering his size. He gets to the NFL, and the NFL looks at him and goes, dude, I know you look like a slot corner, and you can play it, but, damn, man, you play like a safety. Your skill set, mm-hmm. that safety, your eyes, your instincts, your physicality, your anticipation, the way you close the football, the way you play the run from how you run the alley, the alley cat, everything about him said safety. And then they put him at safety, and now what is he? He's one of the best safeties in the league, right? So yep, it all, every situation is different. Some guys, you can't judge the book by this cover. And, you know, sometimes you can take the, you know, the mentality of Coach Aquino and go, well, listen, I'm not even recruiting guys. Unless I know they can, I can move them around the chessboard, period. And I want movable chess pieces. That was his adaptation to the air raid. Air raid exposed, remember, the air raid was the first offenses that started throwing to the slot receiver, like made the slot receiver a priority. Bobby Burton talks about it all the time. Yeah, they started killing people with the slot. And who was covering the slot? Big safeties from the old school Big 12 who had to come downhill on Nebraska running a triple option where they couldn't cover Wes Welker in the slot. They couldn't cover those little fast guys in the slot. So Coach Akimi came in and said, hell, man, we're not going to be that team. My guys that cover the slot going to be Nathan Basher and Ahmad Brooks. Deal with that. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Brad, do you ever see the difference, though, safety and corner, and then you throw nickel in there? And I, yeah. and I say that because I, I've asked so many players along the way, you know, what do you think about the nickel spot? And every defensive back I've ever talked to in my life says – Oh, I hate that. I'd rather corner or safety. I don't want to play nickel. And I'll never forget Brandon Jones, Texas Longhorn, 2015 or 2016 through 2019, placed safety for the Dolphins. Great kid. The nicest young man I've ever met in my entire life. He, We would talk about the nickel, and he's like, I absolutely hate this. <laughs> he was so capable, they made him do it. And Brandon's a team guy. He was going to do it full on, but he's like, I wish they would just leave me in safety. I hate nickel. I yep. hate this. And I, I wanted you, I wanted just a real quick take. Like nickel seemed like the one, like you can talk one of them into the other. You yep. can play corner, you can play, you can talk. When you start throwing nickel and the assignments and the air raid and the things they have to do now, that's why I think people should be so grateful for Jade Barron because of what he can digest and what he can read at the time. Those kids, those DBs hated playing nickel. Astute observation, my man, once again, because you're around the money. And because mostly why DBs hate it, first in coverage, the two-way go. Um, and you're right and you're right in the thick of it. Usually the nickel, you're basically in the box. Yeah. Uh, so the action is happening 
fast. At safety, you got time to process things, right? I'm a little right. bit further back. I can see my view. I can see everything kind of develop route combinations, route concepts. I can see. I can triangulate quarterback, number two receivers. Man, at nickel, man, you are you are right in the thick of it. You're <laughs> right in the action. There's no time to process anything. That's my instincts are so important at nickel. If you don't have great instincts at nickel, oh, man, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. Because you need to everything, all the action happens faster, and you need a guy that can that can play the run, that can that can blitz, that can drop back in coverage, that can play man coverage on a slot, which is means he's got a two-way go, which means you don't have real, there's no real leverage to play. You can play inside leverage, but you're giving up a lot of outside. You play outside leverage, but unless you got some help, you're giving up a lot of inside. You have to set the edge sometimes. And you got to be a run defender. Oh, my, it's real. Trust me, I played it my, my freshman year, and I always said this. If you can play nickel you in play the Big 12, there's a good chance you can play in the NFL. Amen. You can play nickel at a, at a high level. That was a so good like question. Not, yeah, not be a scrub, but you can play it at a high level. Go look at the lineage of nickel at Texas. Go look at the lineage of it. It started, started back with Rod B. Not saying I started it, but that was the modern the modern spread comes in right around yeah. my time. Yeah. Like, so that's why I start with myself. Go look at that nickel lineage after that, man. It's a lot of NFL players <laughs> like galore. And Jade Barron is just the latest. And Jade Barron, to cap the discussion, he can play any position in that secondary right now. Yes. He can play corner. He can play nickel. He's and played three so far. Yes. And I honestly, Justin, I know he can play safety. I know he can. Yeah, And they probably need to think about it situationally if a team starts attacking Texas at the safety position again. Situationally, yeah. if you like Jalen Gilbo at star, move him back to safety. Let Jalen Gilbo stay at star for a while. And don't pass happy downs. Let Derek Williams and Jade Barron man them safety spots just because you ain't going to beat them like you unfortunately can beat some of the other guys just because they don't have the foot speed and they don't have the, the coverage skills. Keaton Crawford's got the foot speed, but he didn't have the natural coverage skills. Jaron Thompson's got the coverage skills, but not the foot speed. <laughs> you want to put Jaron and Keaton's body oh. together. Like you want the mind of Jaron in the body of Keaton, and that's what you would create on Madden. Like that, that, yeah. that, that would be that would be dangerous stuff. That's exactly hey, right. At the risk of turning us into a defensive back uh, broadcast, but that doesn't bother Rod Babers one bit. Juan has oh. a, a super chat. So maybe we'll, we won't go too deep into this, but the one asked with this super chat, uh, Rod or Justin, what do you think of Terry Joseph? Is he a good defensive back coach on a development standpoint? Not necessarily just talking about recruiting. So mm. his coaching ability is great recruiter. He clearly has uh, killed it in Louisiana for sure, which is where he's from. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how comfortable you guys feel about this, but go ahead and give it a shot if you want to. Now, Terry, awesome. Terry's coaching corners, right, Justin? Because I'll let yes, you go. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. And today actually spoke about Joseph particularly okay. and it, 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 after the game Saturday. We asked him what, you know, when he when, when Jade made the, the final play on defense, they said, what, what, you know, how did that come out? And he said, well, Coach Joseph called it. He said, if that, you know, I was over here on this side and if that guy motioned on here, I was going to have to bite up on it. He said, Coach Joseph told me that was coming as soon as that guy came to motion. And so I think that's just one nugget about the influence he has there. You know, Barron was, you know, gushing about Joseph saying, you know, the guy's the guy's a, a genius. He, he has helped me be the better corner, be a smarter corner, be or Nick will be a better defensive back, things of that sort. And I think we're starting to see the development. I, I, I don't know if you can make a. This is a sample size, in my opinion, 
because Watts kind of came in, and I know there's been some tweaks there. Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks are both young, but they're 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 having they're impactful. They look um, good so far, yeah. And so, but but Rod's the defensive back, the DB. <laughs> so I think I, from a recruiting standpoint, one Joseph's got some chops, and when yeah. he's in Louisiana, he's got some stroke. Rod, your turn. Like that. Uh, no, I, I I think first of all, Jade Barron, his development is a is kind of to me uh, that's a great oh. indicator. Right, that this guy. I mean, what what was Jaden Barron a four star? What was he? Three star out of Florida. He may have been a four star late, but okay. he was a late take. I believe he was committed to Baylor. Baylor, you're right. Matt Jesus made a late push, and he was almost hesitant because he's like, you hey. know, y'all are just now coming into this. Jade is smart. Y'all are just now coming into this, and then he yeah. thought, all right, I'm gonna make a business decision. I'll go to Texas. No, that was a hey, that was a get. That was a nice get right there. Cause and I look at his development because he um, he works with Terry Joseph as a corner. I mean, yes. this guy right now is playing in an all American level. He's probably your second best player on defense right now behind Tobias yes. Sweat. And nothing against Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford is awesome right now. Jaday no, Barron. it's it's Barron. Yeah, I don't know if they win that game against U of H if Barron doesn't come off the bench and off the the injured list basically to play in the second half. He oh, gave, Joseph gave him the choice. Do you want to play left side or right side? You want boundary or field? He's like, oh, uh, I want field. I want left side. I want left. He let I him love, choose. I know. I, I love his ownership. Mindset. Yeah. Remember, he did that last year. Remember that was some yes. injuries? Yes. And then he was like, coach, put me put me where they're attacking us, and I'll go solidified. I'll stabilize it. I love yeah. that. I love that. He got that dog in. I'll just make be simple and say, mm. say that about him. Ryan White. That's the dog. He's a good boy. Um, and That's Terrence Brooks, dog. listen, Terrence Brooks was having a, a hell of a season. The last two games, you've seen a you know uh, some plays given up. But Terrence Brooks has still been really steady for a young corner. He's got to get off that pick and roll, that pick and screen. Yes, and this is you know what <laughs> actually a nice way to get into it because Jay Barron talked about how Terry Joseph told him that pick route or rub route. I know Sark calls it a when, when basically he was describing his defense, he called it a pick route. But when Sark yeah. is on offense, he never talks about the rub routes he runs, and they run a lot yeah. of rub routes. So just I'm a DB, it's always a pick route to me. So yeah. a pick route is to a rub route, what kind of like tax evasion is to tax avoidance like it depends on the way you're looking at it right um so that 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 was smart though uh, of jade baron you gotta decide how you want to play those pick routes those rub routes and texas is getting rubbed and picked on a lot of routes uh and they don't know really how tail piping he said he had to do a better job of tail piping i said isn't it an adjustment with leverage isn't it really just a leverage play yeah it's it's leverage and technique of how they want to play it so you're talking about closely clustered groups of wide receivers, right? Or, yes. or t- a tight end, any kind of receivers, tight end receivers Trips, or running back. Yeah. Yes. When they put them closely together, then Texas can't, they, they, they can't be as aggressive. So Texas has to play off or play levels or play tango, which is playing the inside cut or the outside cut because they don't want to get picked. They don't want to get rubbed. All right. And then a guy's running wide open. But what's happening is, is Texas not communicating and passing these routes off effectively in coverage? They and then guys are still ended up wide open. And I've been I've been looking at this for a while with Texas. There, there, there are lots of different ways to play. Like I said, you can play levels. You can decide to uh, what they call take one, um, which you say if you take one, basically you go to one of your DBs. You just take the point man. 
take the more demand on the line of scrimmage. That's your guy. And then I'll play off you. I'll be off, but I'll play off you. All right. If he takes you inside, then I'll cover the other, uh, the other cut when the route declares itself. So if, there are lots of ways to play it. I don't know how Texas has been told to play these, like I said, these rub routes, these pick routes, but they're not doing it very effectively. So here's the number that I have about Texas and that those, those rub routes and those pick routes just in the, just against starting quarterbacks. So don't, I don't even really look at the quarterbacks that the backup quarterbacks they face. We're just talking about U of H, Oklahoma, Bama, and the Rice game, right? I don't look at the, J, the the Wyoming and the Baylor and Kansas because they learned about their backup quarterbacks playing last minute. So they threw kind of game plans out the window. Right. In those situations where Texas is playing a starting quarterback, guys, when they are targeting clustered groups of receivers, closely clustered groups of receivers, we're talking about over 75% completion percentage. You're talking about damn near 16 yards per attempt. God. And you're talking, talking about an explosive play rate <laughs> of over a clip. <laughs> yeah. Of over of over 35%. So they give up a, most of the explosive plays they've been giving up or when a guy is essentially motions to a closely stacked group of receivers or trips or bunch, and then Texas has to sort that out defensively at the last minute. And they're not coordinated very well, and they're not communicating very well. And as you talked about, Justin, these are not complicated concepts at all. These are simple switch routes. These are simple pick routes and rub routes, drag routes with, you know, uh, with an over route with it yeah, or yeah, yeah. A, a simple six route with a drag route on top. I mean, just simple. Sometimes you would run them just to carry the man if he's in man or zone just to figure out what they're yes. in. And Texas can't really figure it out. So they got to fix that. And by the way, Oklahoma did Oklahoma did some of it too, and they got some big plays out of it. But U of H, you can tell, they, they did their homework and they came back to it, and they did it with a lot of inside breaking routes as well. Um, drag routes across the middle, really forcing the Texas linebackers to, to be disciplined in coverage, which they were not in that game. Hey, uh, Braxton Mayo uh, sent us a, a super chat uh, much earlier, and then Braxton, I was about to get to it, but I see you've read. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, with a little bit more of a question for uh, Justin. So this is a Braxton Mayo. So actually, uh, Matthew, there's a, that second version that you got at 745. We'll go ahead and put that one up because it has both parts. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And thank you to Braxton for the super chat. So, hey, Justin, will you or Jerry Hamilton be at the uh, Duncanville versus uh, DeSoto game? And if so, any 2025 or 2026 recruits you'll be looking at specifically? Uh, no, we will both be there. Uh, oh. Yes, we are. We have lots of recruits to look at. Duncanville is a minor league. It is loaded. Uh, yeah, not only do you get to see Colin Simmons, Texas commit, Alex January, interior defensive lineman commit, four-star. Um, yeah, the 2025s in Duncanville are fantastic. Uh, it starts with DeCorian Moore. Uh, I did a notebook, recruiting notebook, where we do basically a coaching evaluation on him. He's one of the top-rated receivers in the country. 
fast, 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 six foot, about 180 pounds, uh, really good on the track, even better on the football field. Uh, it's committed to LSU, uh, but I just don't I, – I don't think that sticks. I think that was uh, kind of a, an irrational decision at the moment, but he's pledged there right now. Uh, we're going to go see him. Going to go see JV on holiday. That's a 2025 safety that Texas has been in the mix on. Cool nugget is that more and holiday are good friends and their families are good friends and their families are good friends with Cam Williams and with Colin Simmons and with Alex January. And so this pipeline that Sark has, has started to develop is flowing, you know, like, like, a, like a gas pump. Uh, it's going. And right now, the 2026s are guys you need to look at. They have a tight end named Zachary Turner, about 6'5", about 200 pounds. He, he's kind of a, a young gazelle right now. He's getting his legs underneath him, but he has a great catch radius. He has good hands. He runs. He, he's, he's got some athleticism, and I think they're going to be able to use that. And then they've got another edge coming up, guys. And I'm not kidding you. Kevin Ford Jr., remember that name. He is a guy that, you know, when you're playing behind Colin Simmons, he's the kid. He's picking up all the pointers. He's paying attention to everything. Texas offered him uh, re here recently. His And his offer list has already started to grow, and he's he's in his sophomore season. That should tell you something. He, he's an active guy on Duncanville's defense as a sophomore. And I think that really merits, uh, you know, recognition. And so there are tons of them. And that's just Duncanville. DeSoto's got Tiger ridden. Booby Feaster, who is going to be a five-star. He's a 2027. He is a freshman playing on the varsity at DeSoto, and wow. he's playing well. He's good. He's good. And so uh, Trey uh, Tiger Ridden's Texas offer. Byron Washington, one of the biggest humans you're going to find in the state of Texas. I think he's at the 6'7", 370 at range, yeah. 380 range. He is a, a big drink of water. Hell, he's a gallon of milk. Um, that It's just both teams are, are loaded. Uh, both coaching staffs are great. I love what Coach Samples has done at Duncanville. I absolutely love what Claude, Coach Mathis, has done at DeSoto. So, Braxton, we sure do appreciate it. Uh, but, no, both of us are going to be there. Uh, Jerry and I like to we, – we understand that, that, that that's, that's the work of two men to try to get all of that content and all that information. Plus it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. I don't know if it's going to be a great game. Duncanville is a train right now, but DeSoto is scrappy and they've got some ball players. And so uh, it's going to be fun, Braxton. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, uh, Daniel Kinneman threw us a, a super chat as well. And Rod, you'll like this one. So Daniel says, speaking of recruiting, Whoever got Rod Babers over at Inside Texas needs to get major props. So, my man, how about I that? Appreciate that, Daniel. that? Daniel Kenneman, he's one of our uh, frequent flyers here. So, he's Thank uh, you, Thank always you, on the boards and uh, he's uh, very gracious with the super chats as well. Again, we're very uh, grateful for that. And I just went over and checked all the uh, comments over there. And we really appreciate it. everybody's always got a lot going on in the comments on the Wednesday night streets. And so, we appreciate you guys having your own kind of conversations in there and listening to us at the same time. So we're, we're really cool with that. I think that we've got a, a fun group and a good community here. Uh, Austin uh, asked this a little bit earlier and um, I'm not sure. Uh, is, is this true? Justin Wells, what do you think is, uh, of course we have different recruiting evaluation services. Right. Is Kobe black no longer a five star? Is that uh, what, what's your, what do we need to learn about that? Justin Wells. Okay. He, okay. Like you said, there's different recruiting services. On3 has their own, and then the On3 does an industry ranking, which is essentially taking the other 
the other facets. Uh, they take like, thank you, Matthew. That's why you're the king. Twenty four seven ESPN rivals. Now, I don't think they put as much stock in ESPN and rivals because they don't put as much effort into the recruiting as they used to. And we didn't feel like it would benefit the algorithm to give them as much credit as you would like a 24 seven or on three that really puts a ton into their, into the recruiting and evaluations. So I know there's a, it's an interesting measure there that the Mr. Shannon Terry and those guys came up with. And it's, it's been, it's been bodacious, but if you'll look, um, he is an industry ranking four star. I, you know what, that some, I guess the re-rankings that came out, he was an industry ranking five star for the longest. Uh, on three has him, you know, rated relatively high, number eight corner in 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 the country, uh, top top fifteen, seventeen in, in, in the state. Uh, but the industry ranking had him at number at, as a five star forever, and so that's another thing. Every time one of those four outlets has a re ranking, which is basically quarterly, then it changes. The numbers change, the algorithm changes, everything changes, everything falls differently, and so. I'll tell you that let, let, let's just cut to it. Forget stars. Okay. I have seen Kobe black. I was talking to his dad about this. I've seen Kobe play three different sports multiple times, three or four different times for each sport. I think it was like 18 times in the last two and a half years. And that's not counting camps. That's not counting satellite camps. Kobe black is a five star. This kid can go. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's playing safety this year because you put your best defensive player that's also a defensive back back there at safety. Now, in college, he's going right back to corner because that's where you, you're a corner until you're a safety at co- in college and in, in the pros. But in high school, you, they need him back there safety. He has been weaponized on offense. He's been tremendous on offense as well. But I'll, I'll tell you one story. There was a coach, a head coach, Division One at one of Kobe's games recently that I was at. And this is a guy that I've known for a long time and we're talking and he's like, I don't, I don't know if that guy's a five-star or not. And so he walks across over to the field and I guess he's talking to somebody else. And then he messages, Kobe makes an insane play and he messages me back and he goes, shows what I know. That's a five-star. Mm. And this is, a, <laughs> this is a head football coach at a major university in Texas. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. So, yeah, from the you know the industry ranking, the stars, good question, Austin. Is he the five-star on that regard? No. But in real life, Kobe Black is a five-star. Gets it done. Hey, uh, Braxton Mayo joins in again with the um, Super Chat. Now, I hope the Taft family isn't watching this one because they may not appreciate it, but uh, we appreciate Braxton for weighing in and – he has the right to ask his question, and we. Have I'll let Ron answer it, but I'll answer it too because I got some yeah. words for that one. So, yeah. So uh, Braxton asks, uh, "Will somebody please answer this question for me? Why is Michael Taff on the field? Do we have nobody else?" So I'll shut up and let you guys talk about it then. Uh, I, I for first of all, I was talking about the communication issues they have back there uh, in the secondary. Uh, I think my, I think they trust Michael Taff. Uh, I think they trust him. To get, to get the calls right back there, to actually get guys aligned and get them organized. And I think that's something that, you know, maybe Texas defense has, has struggled with before. Um, and maybe he's one of the guys they do trust out there. Obviously they do. But I think they trust him actually to, to know where to be and know where other guys are supposed to be, not just knowing his job, all right, knowing where other guys are supposed to be. And you can see that if you're watching the games and actually seeing some of his frustration 
<laughs> with some of his other teammates that, you know, guys are missing assignments mentally. Now, missing tackles, guys getting beat, that happens, all right? And I'm not saying he doesn't get beat and had missed tackles. Uh, we're talking about just being in the right place, alignment, assignment, football. Um, and he's an alignment assignment guy, and I think that's why the coaches like and trust him. Uh, yeah, he, did, he is coming off his best game. I know people don't you know, want to hate on him, but he is coming off his best game, got a pick. I believe he led the team in tackles, if I'm not mistaken, too. Yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, we're not practice. We're not privy to it. I, I think he is one of their best options. Now, you can say what you want. That's where we get back to recruiting and recruiting better athletes. I've heard people say the same thing about Jaron Thompson. They've said the same thing about Keaton Crawford. Essentially, Longhorn fans don't like any of the safeties that are playing. <laughs> right. right. They see one get burned on one particular play. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, I think we've learned that that, that that Jaron is more of the angles, knows, sets guys up quarterback. Keaton's yeah. more the freak athlete. If he comes downhill, he's probably going to hurt you. You know, the old school kind of headhunter in a way, but doesn't really read keys. And so Michael Taft is coaching all those guys during the game. And he was doing it Saturday, and I'm telling you, it made a difference. It wasn't just his interceptions. That guy was doing an abnormal amount of coaching in the backside of that secondary. They were trying to do their best. And I think, I really think, think in a couple, a little bit more games, Taff and Derek Williams might be something. I think there's a good yin and yang there on, on how they can be used and trust me, the staff is doing what they always do. They're going to recruit over Taft. They're going to recruit over Derek Williams. That's what they do every class. So recruiting will get better. But Michael Taft, it, there's a reason he's on the field. Like Rod said, they trust him. He's out there coaching these guys because a lot of these young guys out of position, they, it's, it's mental mistakes, it's mental breakdowns. And Taft is a big, big coach on the field. Yeah, it's it's communication breakdowns, coverage brush. There's a reason that, that this team is this defense is subpar in defending two minute drills because two minute drills is just a crisis mode situation for the defense, and right. it's all about communication. It's all about being mm-hmm. hive minded. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody not necessarily being able having to say it verbally, but everybody thinking the same way, seeing the same things, reacting the same way, and everybody making the same adjustments. Um, and this defense does they do not operate with a hive mind, the, the, the back seven. They are a lot of times the, the safeties are doing different things in the corners and uh, the guys are passing off routes that are not being uh, picked up on the other side. You know, these are some of the breakdowns that are happening. And this is why, you know, Texas, we, they struggle with the drag routes and the in-breaking routes versus U of H. And these are things that that I think the coach is why they trust Taff out there because he can get guys lined up and get guys – at least in a position, all right, where they can execute the defense and the coverage without being totally discombobulated because they, they were in U of H. And he's right. Justin's right. There are a couple of plays. Taft saves him. He actually operates outside of the construct of the defense to save to, to save the day and make the play because it was going to end up being, you know, worse and kind of stop the bleeding. And that's basically what he's kind of been out there doing a lot of times, just stopping the bleeding. You know, you would like playmakers out there. Right. Uh, right. But right now, defensively, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're leaky. They're leaky. That's the best way to say it. They're leaky. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, he's not only critical in the recruitment of Arch Manning. And people, oh, yeah. I think we, we had a story this week. Joe Cook wrote a great story because Taft was made available to the media. And people don't understand how big Michael – I mean, if you're at Inside Texas, you know all about it. 
But for the non-Inside Texas people that would like to get educated, come hang out with us. It's a great time. Michael Taft was critical in that Arch Manning recruitment. And this is a guy that's back there. This is why I said this. He's talking and teaching Derek Williams daily. And Derek Williams is getting more reps. If you look at the chart, Williams' reps are increasing each time. He gets some plays in in, in the first and second half on Saturday. He still has a a little ways to go, but that's the influence you want from a Michael Taft. Yeah, he may not bring this ultra-athleticism, but he's not only getting guys in the right position and, and usually taking the right angle and not usually missing a tackle. He's helping the guys along like a Derek Williams who might be a first-round pick in two and a half years. I mean, the guy is in, has an unbelievable upside that we're seeing. And so, yeah, Taft, definitely valuable. And Braxton, we appreciate that again. Yeah, if if I I think if Jaron Thompson oh. and King Crawford were playing much better at a much higher level, then that, that'd be a, a better argument. I think it'd be a more valid argument that, hey, man, Taft, he didn't need to see the field because these guys are playing at such a high level. There's a, there's, a, there's a separation between Taft and Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson. Is there a big separation and a gap between Jaron Thompson's play, Keaton Crawford's play, and Michael Taft's play right now? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's not. So I, I honestly think the coaches see that there's a lot of benefits to having Taft on the field, as Justin just said. And each guy gives – they don't have a, a five-tool safety that gives them everything. They just exactly. don't. Derek another Williams. reason they're taking another safety in this cycle. Jordan exactly. Johnson Rebell has got some of that Quandre Diggs to his game. Yeah. 5'10, 175 pounds, coming downhill top guy. But that's why they're going to try to add another big time safety. That's why they're trying to get the five star Xavier Fulsame out of McKinney. That guy is an athletic freak. And they're going to stockpile him. But, but sometimes you, you don't always get what you want, but yeah. you always get what you need. Oh, there you go. Hey, yeah. Justin, I think we can give people uh, two months for $1 for Inside Texas subscription. You think we can swing that deal? I can do that. I'll do that right now. And if you, I don't earn your business, if you – listen, come hang out at InsideTexas.com. We're doing $1 for two months. That's going to get you into December, into early National Signing Day, which is some of our favorite time of the year. Come hang out with us. Promo code OTFIT23, OTFIT23. Come hang out. Let me earn your business. Uh, Reckless Trey had a uh, question earlier about, you know, giving him a reason for uh, for, for for signing up. And I said, um, <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. He's signing up. <laughs> Maybe I should shut up when oh, you make the, when up. you make the sale. Be quiet. <laughs> uh, there you go. You did but, good, uh, man. Yeah. You did good. We uh, we set that up. We did some uh, teamwork right there, buddy. There That's we go. About that. Robert Muhammad has been cussing my name for an hour now, but Robert, I've been watching your question there. I just wanted to kind of get into some other things before we started talking about Saturday's opponent, but the Brigham Young Cougars. So what issues can BYU present for our offense and defense? Just the general, the theme probably hasn't changed for BYU in the last 40 years since I saw them back in the eighties when they won the national championship. It's not the Robbie Bosco it's not but the still, Steve Young, Jim still McMahon, a mature team, BYU. but a mature team that's going to be probably fundamentally sound and have a bunch of old dudes on it, right? Men with families, with kids to feed. That's what I learned. <laughs> I went to Provo to cover Texas BYU in 2013. Unbelievably beautiful, clean place. Yeah. Not a stitch of caffeine in the whole joint. And it was, we had a two and a half hour rain delay, man. I was drinking hot chocolate at midnight <laughs> those men you know what they were doing calling their kids saying good night reading bedtime stories b 
BYU has bring up a Taysom Hill, man. I still got, I still got, uh, I'm still triggered by Taysom Hill. Whenever I watch the New Orleans Saints game, man, I just uh, have to turn it off. I'm triggered by Major Applewhite's plan to run quarterback draw with David Ash 12 times in a game that made absolutely no sense, which also led to his concussion, which also led to the, I I think, him not feeling his potential. A lot of bad things are not. Oh, yeah, Manny Diaz and Mike Brown got into it on the sideline. Dwayne Aquina had to get involved. I remember that. Alligator yeah, roll triggers game. me too. Hey, Rod, let's talk about the BYU. What do you got for me? What are we going to see Saturday? Yeah, no, Justin's right about that, man. It's just, I, don't know, I was on the sideline for that Manny Diaz. You were doing the radio stuff, round. right? I was, yeah, I was a sideline guy. Oh, man, that was a wild one. That was a wild one. Yeah, the Taysom Hill show. But getting back to issues that BYU can present, even Sark said this, you're going to see the crossing routes again. I was watching film on them earlier today. They love the crossing routes. They love the drag routes. A lot of those same routes that U of H ran. I went and looked at it. So I went and clocked every in-breaking route that U of H ran versus Texas. And I got 16 of them, um, 11. So it's basically 68% completion percentage on those routes, but 13 yards per attempt on those crossing routes, those drag routes, any in-breaking routes, just on drag routes alone, um, 71% completion percentage. Uh, over 100 yards that they accumulated just on drag routes, guys. Um, you will see it versus BYU because they run it anyway. So they're going to run mesh. Uh, they're going to run a lot of it. And Texas has a hard time defending mesh. And mesh, if you don't know, it's when the receivers, all right, they end up running drag routes that end up uh, essentially intersecting, all right, at one point. They call it the mesh concept of mesh is when the two receivers come together. Uh, and they run a lot of it. And Texas should be ready for it. Uh, we talked about this, my man Ian Boyd on football theory. You're going to see that. You're going to see bunch formations. I talked earlier about closely clustered groups of receivers, how Texas is struggling uh, to be able to, to pass those guys off in coverage and to read and react to the route combinations when the routes declare. They're going to run a lot of They run it anyway. But against Texas, you're going to see them run a lot of that too. Uh, so I'm a little worried. About, and I think they, they run empty. And by the way, U of H, as I noticed how much empty formation U of H ran, they ran a ton of empty formation versus Texas. And they were really successful in empty formation. I believe that 51-yard uh, scamper that the young man caught, like a drag route, that was out of empty formation. Texas better be ready for that. Those three concepts you're going to see a lot of if you're the Texas defense because those are issues they haven't solved. Uh, the Texas uh, offense, we'll talk about Quinn and, and Malik here in a second, I'm sure. But I think you're going to get a defense from BYU that they haven't shown on film because everybody – presents Sark with a defense on game day that they hadn't shown on the film that Texas isn't prepared for. It happened with U of H, happened with Oklahoma. Happened with high safety. Exactly. Adnan Mitchell said, we're going to see it for the rest of the season. You Honestly, you're a defensive coordinator. It's malpractice if you face Sark and don't pull out the three high safety look. You know, Holgerson was reserved to running the ball. He's like, we're not even going to run the ball. We can't do that. We're going to do everything else. Same way on defense. And I think Texas should, you know, just because you can't see it on film, prepare for for it as well as you can because it's coming in some form. Agreed. Yeah. So they got a lot of turnovers in their last game. So, and we have a young quarterback who's going to be playing. So do we just, uh, what's the approach, Rod? What's the best uh, approach for Sarkeesian to make sure that, they don't uh, bait uh, Murphy into some sketchy situations. 
Hey, running game, run game, run game. Thank God that mm. Jonathan Brooks is one of the most productive running backs in the country. Thank God that CJ Baxter looks different now. He's 100%. Yeah, he's 100% Saturday, right? Saturday wow. was his first yes, game being healthy all year. Wow. That acceleration was next level on that. Even my wife was like, who is that? And I was like. That's your really answer crazy. to the red zone problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He And you can tell they, they, can, they can use him with quick hit and runs, too. I mean, his acceleration in the whole 15. Yeah, it didn't look like 215. He carries it really well. Uh, but with those two guys now, that's the identity of the offense now. Your young quarterbacks who are going to play with with Quinn being out, Malik, or Arch, who, however they do it, it's going to be Malik to start off. I think they want to get Arch some reps somehow, but we don't know if it's going to be a blowout. And Texas really ain't blew anybody out to the point where they can put in backups all year long. It's not really what they do. They don't win like that. So I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know Sark will get Arch ready to play. Uh, but there is no doubt about the run game, baby. The run game, you're going to lead with it. Sark usually likes to pass to open up the run, not with this quarterback. With this quarterback, yeah. I think they're going to run and pound the rock, and then they're going to look for their opportunities to take shots downfield or to open up through the passing game. Hey, uh, Matthew, Mr. Talk Too Much. I'm not sure I understand his comment here, but it's a super chat uh so, Justin, this is for you. He wants you to spill the beans on, uh, I guess, Blake Gideon. And is that B.J. Allen? I didn't uh, hear the yeah. sound earlier. I apologize. Yeah. Is there anything going on there? Uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no sour grapes. There's no spilled beans. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> B.J. Allen is just behind some some older guys. There's that. That's as simple as that. The only guy that's younger that's playing ahead of him is, is, is Derek Williams, and that's because he's from Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. BJ Allen's yeah. working his way. Actually, I saw him very active on special teams, especially on punt block uh, or uh, punt return, and, and on special teams uh, on uh, Saturday. And so he's just behind a, some older guys at this point. I think he'll get a, a pretty good shot. He came out with a good spring. He had lost some yeah. weight that they had wanted to. He kind of slim trimmed down a little bit. Had a pretty good fall camp. Um, I want to say he was dinged up a little bit during fall mm-hmm. camp, but. Uh, no, he's healthy and uh, no sour grapes to my knowledge. Uh, I just think okay. he's behind some of the older guys. Let it, let's see what he looks like in the springtime when uh, the rest of those guys graduate. That's good to know. Hey, we got about five minutes left in the show, so let's wrap things up. James McDaniel has a super chat. Uh, this was back to the uh, comment about the uh, Kobe Black rankings. Um, well, there's E. Kim, but no, well, let's go back to James McDaniel, if you don't mind, Matthew. Thank you, buddy. Uh, rivals and ESPN don't put – much stock in rankings. Uh, the reason, Justin, I don't know if you want to speak for places you don't work for, but you want to give a quick uh, summation of uh, how these folks are approaching their business. I don't think they have figured out the best way to, to maximize that part of it. I, I'm not necessarily sure what, what it, the reasoning is, but I just know that, you know, from an on three standpoint and 24 seven to a, a certain extent that there's, there's, there's there's a there's a demand for it. There's a demand for 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 the compartmentalizing of, of athletes and prospects of the next big thing and your guy's next teammate and your your team's next big star. Like there, there, there's something to that, that to all of us as sports fans. I think that's why we a lot of us do it. And so I, I just I think Rivals was first. You know, they were really one of the first ones to kind of to develop it. And and I don't think you see a lot of R and D there. I don't think they mm-hmm. put a lot lot back into the into the product. And I think that's why it suffered so much over the last five to ten years. They don't put the same manpower 
And I think that's what on three looked at that algorithm for the industry ranking. And after we had, it used to be divvied up quarter by quarter, you know, four, four of them there, 25%. But if you're not going to put in the same manpower, you're not going to put in the same rank, you know, effort to, to really knock down these evaluations and just throw out stuff, stars on names and content. Um, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. And so I guess, Hey, listen, they're looking for revenue streams. So, Rivals and ESPN have their own methods and, and more power to them. But that's that's I know that's why we changed the industry ranking algorithm, because they don't put in the same manpower. They don't put in the same effort. And why should yeah. you be judged? Why should on three be judged less or 24 seven judged less on a recruit when we've gone to see him probably four or five times more than the normal site? Sure. Mm -hmm. Great insight. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Speaking of insight, Braxton Mayo again with another super chat and I uh, had another question and uh, he wants to know if there are any more silent commitments. So this is a Justin Ooh. question. <laughs> yeah. Ryan was a silent. Um, I could, I could see there being one more. Yeah. Yeah. I could see there being one. More. Rubble agrees. He's got that dog in him. What do you say? He's got that dog. He's got that dog. He ain't got much <laughs> to say. <laughs> hey, uh, Lane, Lane Seawright getting uh, deep into the uh, defensive philosophies here. So let's see. I haven't seen this one yet. So Rod, is there a football theory? Oh, episode on uh, on Texas football where you go over the 3-3-5 defense and how effective it is against Coach Sarkeesian's offense. And is Coach Sarkeesian surprised by the 3-3-5 or is it different? Every week, have you and your buddy uh, Ian gone over the three three five and what we, is the problems we, it presents for Coach Sarkeesian at Yeah, Texas has a stretch. We're going to play all the de defenses that basically they major in the three high, three down. That's their part of their defensive DNA. They'll have that stretch where they play K State, or it was it Iowa State and TCU all there in a row. I think I believe Sark has an antidote for it. Um, and we do go over this in football theory a little bit, but I'll give it to you really quick here. Okay, so U of H. They ran the three high, three down to start off. They even ran it on the first series. Sark said that. They revamped everything and ran it three high, three down. Texas was scoring points against the three high, three down. Hell, they went up by 21 points. Um, so what was the difference? Well, the difference is that U of A decided to start bracketing um, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, and then Texas couldn't get the running game going. Here's something interesting, though, that I found. So I think Tech, I think Sark has found the antidote to the three high, three down. And I think it's his 6-0 line package. Last season – Based really? on my notes, Texas averaged over six and a half yards per rush against three high, three down defenses running the 6-0 line package. I think Sark has found this out too. So how about this little nugget? I went and looked at the three high, sorry, the obviously the 6-0 the, the line package versus U of H. In the first half, Sark was averaging, or Sark, the offense, was averaging over nine yards per play running the three high, sorry, against the three high, three down, basically running the 6-0 line package. They, they Their first two touchdowns came on 6-0 line package, big 12 packages. They were throws, but they was in the big 12 package. And even though Sark was had a lot of success running the 6-0 line package in the second half, they only ran it like twice. And I can't figure out what happened, whether it's the Quinn Ewers injury that happened or was it Sark deciding – you know what? I can beat them running the ball with 11 and 12, and I don't need the 6-0 line package. Was it that he experimented with it, and successfully so, 
proved my hypothesis that the 6-0 line package can smash and run the football against the three high, and he didn't want to show too much of that before he goes on this murderous row of three high teams. I don't know what it was, but the the 6-0 line package can run the football versus the three high, and the reason is simple. You must be an extremist versus the three high, and I believe Sark has found this out. And the reason is because the three high is all about distortion. It's all about being a malleable defense and confusing the pre with pre-snap disguise, right? Confusing quarterbacks, forcing them to process post-snap. Well, when you get extreme in your personnel groupings or extreme in your formations, they can't disguise. You got to get to your alignment and your assignment. If Texas comes up with six O-linemen, you force that defense to react and to defend the run game. So they got to come down and they got to get to their run fits right away or they're going to be bullied off the football. So they start to reveal themselves and reveal the coverage and reveal the front so they can get to their alignment and assignment because, hell, I can't let this 2,000 pounds of mass run downhill on me. Same thing happens to prove my theory in empty formation. I went and looked at empty formation last season. And you looked at empty formation versus the three high, three down. And I found something that was really kind of mind blowing that Texas last season had over a 50% first down touchdown rate out of empty formation versus three high defenses. Why? It's an extreme formation. When a team runs empty, you got to get to your alignment and assignment. There's no pre-snap disguise. There's no malleable defense. There's no distortion. You better get to your assignment, which gives the quarterback and reveals indicators about what coverage they're in and what front they're in. And I think Sark knows, baby. I think he knows. I got to be an extremist to beat the three high. I think he's figured out an antidote. I don't know if it's going to work every time, but right now it's working. Wow, great, great insight. So look for Agbo in the game is what uh... Malik Agbo, jumbo package. Yeah, and I, I I think he wants to try to save it. I think he was testing it, troubleshooting it. But I think he wants to save it because he knows the season might be determined by that stretch versus the three high defense. And there's yeah. no doubt it is such kryptonite. Every statistical category offensively, passing yards per game, yards per attempt. Um, you go look at uh, all of the um, – I look at overall like pass rating. You go look at all the different statistical categories, and all of them drop precipitously points per game, of course, too, when Sark faces a three high defense compared to other defenses. So it works, but I, I think now Sark has figured out why it works, and now he's got, like I said, the antidote. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Awesome stuff. We, we have one more question, then we're wrapping it up tonight. And it's a, a super chat, Elijah Perez. So, Justin, for you, wrapping it up with a recruiting question, uh, I guess we have to identify what he means by Syntex, so it sounds like the Austin area. So he says, is Syntex slash Austin recruiting a bit down relative to recent years? Seems like we don't hear as much from a Westlake, Lake Travis, et cetera. What do you think? Uh, I think it's hit and miss. I think it's also cyclical. Um, I mean, Westlake has five players on the Texas roster right now. Just in the last two years, Michael Taff, Connor Robertson, Ethan Burke. I know there's a couple others I'm forgetting. What's that? Oh, Vosick. Colton Vosick. Vosick, like so – uh, yeah, there's plenty to hear out of Westlake. Um, they just graduated an insanely strong class uh, that, that, that basically led them to believe two or three state championships. And so, you know, they're 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 trying to they're kind of regrouping. Colton Voshik, I say, actually has a little brother that I met last year when I went to see him practicing. Connor Voshik, 
he's going to be the next tall, lean, slender edge guy uh, for Westlake. Uh, Lake Travis, if I understand this correctly, there's a new high school coming to Lake Travis. And this is something that I believe the ISD had fought furiously to uh, not allow to happen. But I think Lake Travis is going to be sharing with another school, and that never helps a uh, athletic department or program. And so that might might be a ding on them. Um, But, you know, in the Central Texas, I mean, you're looking at some of the best players. I mean, you've got Kobe Black. You had Jelani McDonald last year. They got from Connolly. Michael Uini, the uh, offensive lineman uh, out of Copper's Cove, committed to Georgia. He was a big-time prospect. Uh, Look at Temple. Uh, they've always got guys down there. Quentin Johnston played there a couple of years ago. Now he's playing for the Chargers as a first-round pick. And so I think you just have to look for your – pick your spots. Some places are down. Some places are up. The new schools that pop around, and I swear I see new schools popping up every year in these areas that grow. Lake so- Belton's brand new. Lake Belton. And, and Lake Belton's yeah. got one of – has the number two receiver in the country. Yeah. And, and, and Micah Hudson. And so – there, I don't. I don't necessarily think the recruiting is down. I don't really think it's. I just think it's this pick your spots. You know what there you, you see, what you get. Westlake's, you know, Jaden Greathouse is playing and producing at Notre Dame. Yeah, Kate Clubnick Dame, yeah. is playing and producing at Clemson. Uh, I would not say Westlake is down by any stretch. Not in, not in this last few you know years. There you go. Hey, Justin, thank you so much. I always appreciate uh, everybody weighing in with the questions and the comments and then the great uh, feedback from uh, Rod and Justin, our experts on the Longhorn live stream. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of the uh, Longhorn live stream. Again, we've got the uh, Texas Longhorns and the Brigham Young Cougars coming up Saturday at 2.30 at uh, DKR. And so we are looking forward to that. There will be a coffee and football in the morning with Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton and uh, Blake Monroe. Give me the latest on uh, Thursday morning. So that'll do it for the Wednesday night edition. Thanks, everybody, and uh, welcome, Horns. Welcome.